ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Welcome back to What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama J. And we are super excited to bring you the first episode of fall and spooky season officially. If y'all are those purists that wait until it's officially fall, um, whatever, we're here. So... (laughs) Um, I'm very excited, but, um, mom, what are you drinking today? You know what? I'm actually drinking water today. You know what? Hydrate. (laughs) I've just had kind of a busy long weekend and, you know, I always look forward to having my weekly beer with you, but for today, I was just like, you know what? I still got some stuff to do tonight after we hang up and I'm just Mm going to have water. That's great. I mean, hydrate or dehydrate. We say that a lot. Yeah. Um, very important. I yes, I got you. I am having a beer. Um, it is the um Big Daddy IPA from the San Francisco Speakeasy Ale and Lager folks. Um, so yeah, I am having the Big Daddy. It's got like a weird like mob boss looking guy on it. It's very cool. Um, so yeah, having a beer. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. Do you have any what the ale moments this week? Um, you know, I think my only what the ale moment this week is, um, just, you know, I, you and I attended what was my first silent disco of all time. And, um, and I found it very fun and I'm like shocked that I haven't silent discoed before, but, um, it's a little weird to have everybody in headphones and, maybe listening to different kinds of music, but we got lots of dancing in and uh, listen to all kinds of music from all over the world. And it was really fun. And so my what the ale moment is, why haven't I done this before? <laughs> you know, honestly, I think silent discos are a really good time. And it's cool because like you can get around like noise complaints technically. Yeah, like none of the neighbors were disturbed by our 60 person party because we were all dancing quietly <laughs> in the yard. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was really fun. I... I have done a silent disco at Pride like four years ago in college, but um, that was my only experience with it. So it was fun to do it with like some people we really love and celebrating someone's birthday and doing all the things. So yeah, it was really nice to be a part of that. Yeah. What about you, any what the ill moments? Um, Let's see. Oh, I can share an update on my car mirror situation that I shared a couple weeks ago. Um, Okay. So I finally got the mirror glass replacement, but they didn't send me the actual bracket that they need to attach the mirror to the, yeah, the bracket you need to attach the mirror to the like, I don't know, thing that the mirror goes on. Um, So I had to order that part and it won't be here for two weeks. And I'm just like, had I known (laughs) they were just going to send me a piece of glass I would have ordered the part, but I didn't know. Yeah. So Well, it's a learning process, Alana. Next time, don't hit garbage cans. You know, Mom, (laughs) you would think that would be so easy, but apparently I am just that person that runs in the garbage cans. Um, (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) 
All right. Well, um, I know that you have a story for us today, so I'm excited to hear what it is and get into it and all the things. Yeah, I'm planning to do some hoaxy stuff today (laughs) because I want to talk about satanic panic. Ooh, just like the murders or just like people freaking out about satanic things or a bit of I I'm going to talk about, I'm actually going to present like what started satanic panic briefly. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to um, talk about two of the, um, you know, cause the satanic panic when it, you know, people were freaking out about Satanism and um, there were two different uh, like preschool daycare type places that ended up having all kinds of allegations that of course were all bullshit, you know, is all um, made up and um, you know, whatever, but based on fear. And so I'm going to get into those two because those were two of the biggest cases in North America Mm -hmm. um, that were influenced by satanic panic and later were proven to be completely false. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to present both of those cases. And then I will mention things like, you know, Geraldo's segments that he had on satanic panic on his show Mm -hmm. and um, things like that. But Alana, do you know what started the satanic panic? Um, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like I heard that like the exorcist and or movies like that kind of started it because it got people kind of freaking out about using Ouija boards and stuff. Cause I, I heard a, I think it was a podcast episode or maybe a documentary, but like Ouija boards were like normal party favors. Like everyone would use them at parties. And then for some yeah. reason it was like the exorcist or something. I think it was the exorcist, but it like caused people to be okay. like, demons <laughs> you you mentioned one of the things that I'm going to mention so um so I guess I want to start with a uh something that happened in, um that really like inspired things to or people to freak out because mm-hmm. there was a person who decided they were a satanic expert um and this was a Canadian psychiatrist named Dr. Lawrence Pazder. And he's somebody who he had worked with this woman, Michelle. Um, and, you know, they had done some work earlier and, you know, he helped her through some things. Um, and, you know, you know, she terminated therapy successfully or whatever. And then she came back to him later and he decided to work with her on hypnosis and like repressed memory stuff. Uh-huh. Um, And she started, um, you know, reporting all of these memories that, um, you know, as we go through it, you'll see that a lot of this was influenced by suggestions that were being made, and then she would agree to things. Um, And there may have been some evidence that her mother was abusive. Mm -hmm. um, But the memories that were coming up for her in hypnosis guided by Dr. Pazder were about... um, satanic rituals you know she was having visions of like people in robes um you know uh, sexually abusing her um doing ritualistic killings of animals and children um you know she just was remembering all of these or so-called remembering all of these things and um so dr pastor ended up well and he co-wrote it with her wrote a book called michelle remembers and they documented all of these things that, you know, she supposedly remembered. And a lot of it had to do with satanic rituals. Oh, wow. So, 
the book came out in um, 1980. Now, okay. a lot of my reading, though, did say that, um, you know, there were many things that happened before and around and after that time. So, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of, um, you know, Puritans came to New England, followed the word of the Bible to the letter, and then there were witch trials or, um, you know, people you know, making up things, believing things that were not true. Um, and then, you know, in the 60s, they were saying like, you know, that was the birth of free love and hippies. And, um, and there was also a lot of Christian fundamentalists that were against that. And then the uh, exorcist came out and Rosemary's baby came out. And so that created a lot of demon and cult fear. Um, and then there was just, you know, a lot of like, um, you know, Charles Manson, and Jonestown, Bundy, Gacy, Dahmer, um, and then you had uh, well, and even um, like Night, Night Stalker, Night who said he was, you know, worshiping Satan. So you had just a lot of fear. There was a lot of murder, a lot of crime, a lot of things like that that yeah. were stoking all this fear. Okay, so people were just kind of afraid of safety in general, and you know, afraid of being murdered and all of this stuff. Afraid of these scary movies. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, just a lot of fear. So at some point, for some reason, daycares started being targeted as places where, you know, there would be ritual abuse and satanic, you know, happenings going on. And so one of the first cases was in, uh, Kern County and it was so like Manhattan beach. Um, and it was the McMartin preschool Okay, and it started because um, there was a mom who had a child named Matthew and her name was Judy Johnson. Mm -hmm. And she reported that her son had been sodomized by the, uh, one of the teachers at the school and his name was Ray Buckley. Oh my um, God. And, you know, it, it turns out that Ray was actually Judy's estranged husband. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So what was described though was Judy was like very obsessed with her son's health. Mm -hmm. And her son apparently had reported that Ray took a rectal uh, temperature and oh. she ran with that and said that her son had been sodomized. Um, so, okay. um, so Judy was told to take her son to a specialist to talk about the abuse and, and all of that. Um, and so she, uh, saw, um, you know, like a therapist at the Children's Institute International, um, but it was like an intern. So a new, new therapist who, you know, hasn't completed all the training and hours and everything yet. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so she kind of, the therapist kind of like went off of what Judy was saying mm -hmm. and interviewed this child based on Judy's allegations. So, right. You know, eventually the child kind of like went along with some of the allegations, uh, which will later be proven unfounded. Um, mm -hmm. But because, you know, this kid reported these things, um, people, you know, started hearing about it and making assumptions that Ray Buckley is this abusive person. And so over 200 kids who had gone through that uh, daycare ended up being interviewed. Wow. Okay. And they even, they sent letters to the parents, even parents who had kids that were there years before, mm -hmm. um, sent letters 
clearly documenting all of the allegations that were made and then um, asking the parents to like discuss it with their kids. Mm -hmm. And there were some kids that would then name other kids like, oh, my friend Billy was also there when this thing happened. And so then the parents would be told, well, you know, your son, we know he was there because the other kids said he was there. So if your son says, no, this didn't happen, you can't take no, you know, for an answer. You have to continue until he finally admits. That, and so honestly, I mean, very different case, but that reminds me of like the Central Park Five kids where. Yeah, well, and, you know, we are going to talk about that because, I mean, the the tactics that the, the therapist, social workers, police used to get these kids to admit things are very similar to what happened with Central Park Five. Yeah, and that's just so fucked up to like do something yeah. like that that's going to ruin someone's career. Like, and I mean, obviously, like if a kid is being abused, that is so important. And like, it's great that we're making sure other kids aren't being abused, but like, that's wild. Like, oh my yeah. Well, and that was one of the things that they were saying was like, we have to believe our kids. And it's like, yeah, generally, you know, people don't lie about the abuse. And generally, we want to believe kids if they make or anybody, you know, if they make allegations of abuse. Um, but what we're going to find is there was a lot of leading questions, yeah. um, you know, and so kids would like, you know, they would they would question kids about things and kids would say, oh, no, like, that's never happened to me. And then uh, the people interviewing would say things like, well, oh, you're not as cooperative as your friend Sally is, you know, and I wish you were cooperative like your friend, or they would offer them like candy, you know, oh, well, if you just tell me what happened, if you just tell me that, you know, this person hurt you this way, then you can have candy, you know, and so, I mean, it was clearly these kids were being manipulated. They would deny, 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 and then eventually given after a lot, a lot of interviewing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, what, and the kids were like, yeah, they were told they weren't as cooperative or as smart as their friends. <laughs> like if they, if they denied things. Um, so after all of the interviews, yeah, they determined that 360 kids had been abused at the school. Oh my God. And we're going to get into some of the things that the kids said that are clearly not true. Um, mm -hmm. And there were some documents um, or some some articles that suggested that the, the attorney or I'm sorry, the district attorney at the time was mm -hmm. up for reelection. And um, he was like, maybe going to lose and needed to kind of like boost his name and, you know, that he was working hard for the people. And wow. so there was some speculation that maybe he pushed this along um because then he could be like the savior of the kids and he can re win re-election um okay but anyways so as time went on they're interviewing the kids the um accusations became more and more bizarre and then that's where the satanic stuff came in and okay. again you had parents who had known about the book you know um michelle remembers they were freaked out about serial killers. They were freaked out by the exorcist Rosemary's baby. Um, you know, so there was a lot of just fear about things that, you know, are probably not likely. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so the kids stories ended up, you know, being exaggerated to things like that they saw witches flying or um, that there were tunnels under the preschool 
where um, babies were being beheaded. And I want to say, you know, they did some excavating to see if there was these tunnels. There were none. I mean, the city spent tons of money investigating these allegations. Right. Um, people said that, um, oh, Judy said that her son saw a live baby beheaded. Um, kids were telling people that they were buried in coffins, like that the kids themselves were buried in coffins. Um, they were, they also had stories that they witnessed the staff at the daycare dig up graves and like cut up the bodies. And again, no evidence of any grave robbing anywhere near this place. Mm -hmm. Um, but the kids would say these things, um, and the kids even said that babies were being flushed down toilets. Okay. Clearly babies don't fit down toilets. You cannot flush a baby down the toilet. I mean, yeah, like that's just wild. Okay. Yeah. So all of these allegations, even though some of them are clearly not possible, mm-hmm. um, they still pushed it through to trial. And so, um, in 1987 was when it finally was going to go to trial and there were three full-time district attorneys, 14 investigators from the DA's office, 22 task force officers, two full-time social workers, 20 part-time social workers, a full-time detective and four part-time detectives all looking for evidence that any of this stuff was true. Uh-huh. And not one of them found any evidence. That's pretty telling that it shouldn't go to trial. I mean, so many cases yes. go to trial when there is even evidence. And like, ha- in what world? Like, what? Yeah. So, okay. so, but it did go to trial and they were totally resting the entire case on the statements from the children. Okay. And again, they kept preaching, like, we have to believe our children even though some of these stories were impossible, some of these stories were proven to not have been possible or true, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so at the end of all of it, like only 11 children, their testimony was presented at the trial. So again, there was like, what did I say? 360 kids found to be abused, mm-hmm. but only 11 of their, um, their cases were presented in trial. Um, and there were three years of testimony. So this was not a short time. And all the while, Ray yeah. Buckley was in jail. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, he he had 65 counts against him. Oh and uh, and then there were, I think there were six staff total. And so all of them had various charges against them. Uh-huh. And um, after the three years of testimony in... Um, 52 of his 65 charges were um, cleared and he was released free on bail. But at this point he had already spent five years in jail Wow! and his reputation was destroyed and he lost his business that he had had for 15 years or something. Um, And at that time, everybody else was acquitted too. So everybody else that, you know, his staff, they were all acquitted. Mm -hmm. Um. And then they had a second trial, you know, for the, um, for the count, you know, cause he still had what, like 13 counts, um, that still stood. And so he had a second trial and that resulted in a hung jury. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
so at that point, all the charges were dismissed. So he had five years in jail while he was awaiting trial. Then he was, you know, all, all charges were dismissed in 1990. And then, you know, the person who started this all, which was Ray Buckley's ex-wife or a strange wife, right. um, Judy, it turns out that she got diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, my God. In 1984, which is before the trial actually started. So when they went into the trial, they knew that she had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And they and, still did that. And they still went forward with the trial. Wow. I mean, mental illness is very valid and it's hard yeah. and I understand. And like, again, like the mentality of like, you want to believe your kids or whatever, but yeah, I mean... You have to be real careful about what questions you ask. Yeah. Like you need to make sure that this is not some sort of paranoia or something, especially with someone with schizophrenia, like, yeah. Wow. And that poor man, like his whole career, right? Like is just fucked up at that point. Well, and then, yeah. I mean, so even after he gets acquitted, you know, a lot of the parents are still like, well, I still believe something happened to my kid. You know, so it's not like he's ever going to run a daycare again. It's not like people are going to trust him with his kids because even though he was acquitted of everything, um, you know, people believe what they believe. Yeah. And so, you know, this really ruined his whole career. Um, So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get to the other uh, daycare case, but I want to go over some of the, you know, other things um, that were also influencing at the time. So. Um, during this time, there were many more daycares that were, um, you know, looking for satanic rituals. And part of that was because after Dr. Pazder's book, um, you know, he went around on a tour, like on all the talk shows, talking about how he's the satanic expert. And then a lot of shows would bring on experts who, you know, were self-proclaimed Satanists. So they would talk to you about Satanism. But the funny thing is, like, one of the people that they brought on, um, and, you know, this was, like, on um, Geraldo, like, specifically, mm-hmm. um, but Anton LaVey, and he's the one that wrote the Satanic Bible. Um, I, this funny- Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that man well, and I don't know, do you know much about him? I heard about him on a podcast. I'm not going to spout information because I feel like I listened to it like two years ago, but I just remember there was some wild stuff. (laughs) Okay. Well, and I just want to say he totally looks like something that, you know, he should be on Star Trek. Like he had like, I don't know, the hair and the outfit. I don't know. But, um, but, you know, the funny thing was, was that on, um, you know, because I watched the the clips from the, you know, he did like a four part part series on Satanism on Geraldo Rivera. Mm -hmm. Um, and on there, like, um, you know, it was just funny because, you know, he, the um, Anton LaVey, you know, made it clear that, you know, most people that are self-proclaimed Satanists are really just atheists. They just don't follow like the Christian yeah. Bible. And, you know, so he was not talking about any kind of ritualistic, scary stuff. You know, he was just like, we just don't believe what you all believe, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like a rejection of religion or like Christianity, right? Like that's like the, yeah. 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 So then of course, you know, they had to bring heavy metal music into it. (laughs) 
Yeah, say that, you know, uh, heavy metal music uh, makes people Satanists. So, um, yeah, there was uh, like um, ACDC particularly um, and Judas Priest got dragged into this. So Geraldo even had Ozzy Osbourne on his show. <laughs> and he was like, you know, Geraldo's like, do you want to apologize for, you know, and he's like, I just make music. Like, what, <laughs> what do you want me to apologize for? I love it. I love that they brought Ozzy of all people. <laughs> yeah. And then Judas Priest, um, I guess uh, after their Stained Glass album came out, mm-hmm. um, two 20-year-old men shot themselves and one of them died. The one who didn't die sued the band. Um, and he said that, you know, if you play their record backwards, that it tells you to kill yourself. And of course, nothing came of that lawsuit because that's not true. Um, but of course, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne, all of these people ended up being dragged into this, like, are you Satanist? Are you trying to influence children to harm themselves or harm other people? Right. Um, yeah, there was a, um, like in uh, 79, there was a 16 year old boy prodigy that disappeared from his dorm at Michigan State University. Mm-hmm. And um, the private investigator that his parents believed that Dungeons and Dragons influences, you know, so it was just like all kinds of things were brought in to say, oh, well, this must have happened because heavy metal music or Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, all kinds of stupid stuff. Um, and it turned out that he was just hiding under the tunnels in the university. He was dealing with some mental health issues and just wanted to be alone. Um and then, oh, and then there was another boy in 82 that committed suicide, and the mom believed that um, Dungeons and Dragons caused that, too. Um, mm-hmm. And even uh, PG&E, <laughs> you know, Pacific Gas and Electric, yeah. I guess he had a logo that somehow looked like a satanic symbol, so even they had to, like, change their logo because people started believing PG&E was satanic. What was there, um, a lightning bolt? Like, geez. I, I mean, but it was just crazy. Like, people yeah. were freaked out and looking for stuff. And again, you had Dr. Pazder and then other so-called satanic, you know, experts going on all the talk shows. Right. Uh, scaring people, really. Of course, yeah. Um, and even Oprah had an episode on child sacrifice now, I tried to find that episode, and I couldn't find that anywhere. I could find all of Geraldo's stuff, but I couldn't find no, Oprah. I will say, Oprah keeps her stuff tight. Like, she's yeah. got to deal with HBO now, so you have to, like, get onto the Max or whatever yeah. and watch it, probably. Yeah. So, um, and on Geraldo, uh, you know, it was this uh, devil worship, exposing Satan's underground, you mm-hmm. know, and it was a four-part series, Um And, you know, Geraldo made some, like, huge claims saying, like, um, you know, he would say things like, well, there are millions of Satanists. So, you know, the odds are they're in your town, you know. So he would say all of these things that were really fear mongering, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Geraldo, I guess, has apologized for putting all that out there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, um. So anyways, just lots of stuff like that. And then I want to get into the other um, big daycare, um, you know, where this became a big thing. Mm -hmm. And um, this was in Martinsville, Saskatchewan. And it started because a woman noticed like a strange rash on her daughter's bottom. 
And the daughter said that a stranger touched her with a pink rope at daycare. Um, and the daycare was ran um, by a husband and wife and, and they had a son, Travis, who lived there too. Um, and so the dad made a police report because he thought maybe she had been molested by Travis, which is the Sterling son. Um, the doctor said there were no signs of abuse, but they insisted there must be abuse and they wanted to persist, um, with, you know, filing and everything. I will say Travis had a previous allegation, um, in 1988, a nine-year-old girl said that she was groped repeatedly at daycare by Travis. Ooh. And um, he still got to work there? Huh? And he still got to work there? Well, he was the son of the two people that owned it. It was like an in-home daycare or something. Um, okay. And so, you know, this police officer, Claudia Bryden, um, was given the case, you know, for for the new allegation. And when she went back and realized that Travis had this previous allegation, um, she found that there was only a one page complaint um, and there was no work done on it. So police didn't investigate anybody. There was no um, statements from the child or parent. It was just a one page um, thing saying that a complaint had been made. Mm -hmm. Nothing was done about it. So Claudia was really upset that something had been done about it. Right. And so she made the decision to contact all of the other families who Mm -hmm. attended that daycare um, and just, you know, see if there were any other allegations. Right. So around that time, the Martinsville uh, police chief was forced to resign for some other issues. So Mm -hmm. then they had like management coming in and, you know, there was just a lot of things that were kind of up in the air. Um, but at that time, uh, one of the children that were interviewed said that um, somebody that abused her mm. wore a uniform. And Claudia said, well, what kind of uniform? And she said, a uniform like yours. And so then Claudia became very concerned that the police were a part of this. And so she like brought files home and kept them guarded um, in her like basement. She you know, there wasn't a lot of sharing with the other police because, you know, she didn't know who she could believe. Right. Um, so everybody started, you know, in the town, everybody started assuming the police were involved mm-hmm. um, and all the police were looking at each other differently, too, because they didn't know who to trust. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as they were questioning kids, obviously, more and more kids were coming with scary allegations. Mm-hmm. But again, it was the same kind of tactics where they would ask a kid. Hey, have you ever been groped at daycare? And they would use dolls and say, show me how you were touched. And if the kid would say, well, I wasn't touched, they would say, well, you know, you're not going to be able to leave until you show me how you were touched or where you were touched. Oh, Um, that's so bad. Yeah. So by 1992, like all of the kids from the daycare were put into counseling. And, um, and this was the first time Claudia had been asked about ritual abuse because one of the therapists said, well, I wonder if this could be ritual abuse. <laughs> and so that planted a seed in Claudia's mind. And so then they started interviewing the kids, asking leading questions about, uh, you know, satanic ritualistic kind of abuse, um, even though no kid had reported it. It was just this therapist said, hey, I wonder if this could be a thing because 
again, news media, Geraldo, <laughs> Oprah, you know, I mean, it was being talked about as if it was a big thing that was happening everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's they uh, the new chief of police, Mike Johnson, decided to focus the investigation on po- possible satanic ties. Mm-hmm. And somehow it got brought up by like an anonymous tip that um, the Brotherhood of the Ram which apparently is a real cult that's like it was based in LA or something. I've heard um, of that. I don't know much about it. Yeah, I really didn't look much into it just because I mean that in this case it turned out that that was really not a thing. It was like an anonymous tip so everybody believed that the Brotherhood of the Ram was some now, you know, it was in Saskatchewan now even though there is no evidence of that. So I didn't really look into it because it's not true in this case. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was one child who um you know, I don't, I don't know who it was that asked him. I think it was one of the therapists, but asked if they had been taken anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but again, those kind of questions of like, well, you need to tell me where you were taken. Like, where was this abuse happening? Yeah. And, um, so at some point this, this kid pointed out this house and it was like a house that had like a blue, like siding on one side of it. Um, and he said, oh, that blue house off the highway or whatever. And so, they, um, you know, after the one child identified it, they started talking to all the other kids saying, well, you were taken there too, right? And somebody called it the devil house. And so then they told, you know, started telling the kids, well, tell us you were taken to the devil house, right? All the kids were taken to the devil house. And this house was just a house that was owned by, you know, a man and his wife who owned like sheep. And, um, and he, they were kind of, um, having some marital difficulties so he was sleeping out you know the 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 house that was like the devil house was on the property but it was more kind of like a nice shed and he was staying out there because you know he and his wife were having some trouble um, but then you know the cops went out there to investigate and so they took pictures in you know the devil house the shed mm-hmm. and there was like a, a large freezer for meat because they're sheep farmers and they eat the meat and um and then they ha- he had like an axe because you know he had like a wood burning stove and he would cut wood with the axe so you know there was no evidence of anything bad but they took those pictures and showed them to the kids and said well tell me what he did with the freezer and tell me you know so then kids started saying well yeah he would put us in the freezer and he would leave us in there um Oh my God. And, um, oh, and then with the axe, you know, they would ask the kids, you know, what did he do with the axe? Like, how did he touch you with the axe? And so then, you know, one little boy, and again, they're using dolls. They're kind of inferring the answer they're looking for. Right. And so one little boy did. Yeah. Yeah. One little boy did say that he put the axe handle in his bottom and, and you know but there's no evidence of this there was no forensic evidence on the axe the doctor examined these kids none of them had been sexually assaulted in any way um one doctor said you know if these kind of things had happened you know some of these kids were very young and would like need surgery or things like that to repair and none of them had any injury but you know once one kid says something then they'll say oh well we heard this is what's happening with the axe and then they would you know keep asking kids until they agreed uh-huh. um, and then this one obviously went just like the other one with the flushing babies down the toilet which is impossible 
kids started exaggerating stories saying that they were drugged and that their eyes were plucked out. Okay. Clearly their eyes were not plucked out. They still had both their eyes. Um, they right. started saying they were forced to drink blood, that they were hoisted up in these cages, you know, that were not a thing. Um, locked in the freezer, um, that babies were being killed and, um, and that some of the boys had things shoved into their penis. And again, doctors examined them. There was no evidence of that. Um, and then all the, you know, all the ideas of like murdering all these like, uh, babies, like sacrificing infants. And there were no reports of missing babies or murdered babies. There was no evidence found about any of that. Uh Um, but yeah, so all of that, you know, were the accusations. And then there was a local pastor that said, um, he got a call that a Satanist group was coming in the middle of the night to burn down the town and to steal the children for ritual sacrifice. And so the chief and all, you know, the police, they really believed this. And so they were like terrified And, you know, they all like kissed their families and were like, I may not see you again. And they really believed that this cult was coming to like ransack their town. And of course, nothing happened. (laughs) Like, you know, they all prepared for it and nothing came of that. Right. Um, Now, because of the allegations, um, Ron Sterling, who was the husband that owned the daycare, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, well, all three of them really were accused, Ron, Linda, and the son, Travis. Okay. Um, and then there was another teen that they didn't name who was also like a part of that, but Ron got arrested. And, you know, when he got arrested, he, you know, as he's being arrested, he kind of like went on a rant and people took that as, well, look at him. He's, you know, this angry bad guy and it's like well if you were being accused of all this stuff and being arrested you'd be angry too yeah like um, career is over now or like yeah you're, like yeah I mean I would be pissed off if I was being accused of something I didn't do so yeah so it was the three of them Ron Linda Travis and then the unnamed teen and then there were um five police officers that got named now one of them was interviewed. Um, a lot of them didn't give interviews after this, but there was one guy named John Popovich, and he was interviewed. Um, and what had happened was, you know, they were just showing these kids these books of pictures and, you know, saying, well, you got to tell us who touched you or who did this or who, who did that. And so there were 300 pictures that these kids were being shown. And of course, because the one boy uh, or one girl, I think, said that, you know, they wore uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, they they obviously had pictures of the police in there, too. And so one kid pointed out John Popovich and said, yeah, he was one of the bad guys. Um, uh-huh. And he was, like, so clearly devastated. Like, when you hear his interview, mm-hmm. he just could not believe it. He, you know, he was, um, you know, he felt like he couldn't even hug his kids anymore. Everybody was watching him. His mm-hmm. wife and his kids obviously believed him, but, um, you know, everybody was looking at him. So, it, you know, if he was to hug his daughter in public, people would be like, oh, well, how is he touching her or whatever? Right. So it was really sad to hear him talk about that because he clearly was innocent and just devastated. But he's one of the people 
that I'll tell you about during the trial because, you know, he ends up being clearly exonerated. Right. Um, so anyway, so, um, so it ended up at, at the total, when it went to trial, it was going to be nine people that were facing 180 charges. Okay. Um, now at the end of all of it, you know, all of the charges get dismissed except for two charges against Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me makes sense because, um, you know, the, the first case that was brought against Travis in 1988, I mean, that was before satanic panic that had nothing to do with any of the other children. That was a nine-year-old girl who said she was groped by him. Okay. And, you know, in my mind, there's no reason to not believe that, yeah, um, absolutely. you know, because she was outside of all the other influence. She said that on her own, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it just, nothing ever came of it. Mm -hmm. And then there was, um, the two-year-old that the parents started this whole case with that, you know, they noticed the rash on the bottom. Um, that was the other charge that stood because they did at least see that there was enough evidence that something happened with those two kids. Um, the rash on the bottom, if she said a rope, I mean, did they look at like jump ropes and things? Like, did they find any evidence of anything? Like I'm, I, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, they really didn't find any evidence, but you know, my thought when she said a pink rope, I mean, I thought that could have been his penis, you know? Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, they never figured out what exactly it was, but those two start charges were the only charges that stood. Um, and I want to stress like, um, you know, when they, when they went to court, um, there was like literally no evidence they had, you know, done all the testing on all the supposed instruments of violence. There was no evidence there. Um, the people that own the property that was, you know, the double church, you know, I mean, they clearly had nothing to do with this. They didn't know anything. Um, you know, there was no evidence that any of the kids were ever taken there. You know, parents would pop into the daycare at different time to pick up kids. There was no evidence that anything was going on when the parents would pop in to pick up their kids. Like they, right. the kids were clearly not taken somewhere else during the day. Um, well, that's so there was. Say, wouldn't there be evidence of kids not being places or kids yeah. going missing or kids even for like an hour, if any of this was happening, like, yeah, no, there would have been wild about this to me. Well, and I mean, saying that like people were flying like witches and yeah, (laughs) you know, like, come on. I mean, let's be real. People don't fly. We like to think we can, but we don't. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, you know, so there was, um, there was a couple people that came in. One of them was Ken, Ken Lanning, and he was from the FBI. Okay. Um, you know, because when, you, when you've got these officers that are being accused, they wanted to bring FBI in to check it out, you know. Um, and he said there's clearly no evidence, no injuries to the children, and no possibility that the things the kids said happened could actually happen. Um And, you know, so he, and there was like another woman who um, also was like really outspoken on, there's no way this could happen. But of course they were seen as like, well, you just don't believe the children, you know? And, you know, again, the big thing was we're going to believe our children no matter what, you know, not even thinking about how are we questioning the children or are the interviews done with leading questions that are putting things in their head. Um, So the judge was clearly bothered by the fact that there was no evidence. 
Um, and so, but during the trial, you know, he asked, um, you know, the, the kids that were testifying, like, can you point out who hurt you? And, um, so the one little girl, I think it was who had pointed out, um, John Popovich, John Popovich's picture, the police officer, right. she didn't point to him and huh. she said, Oh, I don't know. I don't think he's in here. And then, um, and then later on, you know, another person, you know, they couldn't fit, you know, people were not knowing who to point to. Right. So the judge did something that is not typical and he created a lineup like in the trial, he okay. like lined up a bunch of men in suits. Some of them were the accused. Some of them were not. Right. And he said, okay, now can you point out who you're, you know, who, who hurt you? And the one little girl pointed to John Popovich and said, oh, it's him, you know, but was like smiling and happy. And the judge says, oh, okay. You know, why did you pick him? And she said, well, I really like his purple tie. So, yeah. so this kid wasn't, yeah, she wasn't choosing him because she had memories of him abusing her right she was choosing him because she liked his tie so the judge That's immediately even the kid was like sorry yeah so the judge immediately was like okay you know this is you know not whatever so the judge immediately released popovich you know and was like you're you know you're clearly not you know innocent all this um and over time seriously like all the charges were dropped except for those two against travis and um and then the one young offender who they wouldn't name the teen offender uh -huh. so i don't know if he was involved with travis like they did something together but um you know that was the only other charge that stood and um, in canada right huh yeah in canada and um, after after a while, the charges against the young person were also quashed, and it was just the two charges against Travis. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people say that Travis, you know, the people that believe that all of this happened say Travis was just a scapegoat, um, you know, to like let the other adults off. And then the people that don't believe it happened still say Travis is a scapegoat because they were like after like the hundreds of thousands of dollars they put into this investigation, they couldn't just not have any conviction at the end of it. So like the idea that they just like punish him for the two things that were possible, you know, cause those were possible. And I kind of definitely believe that first little girl, because again, that was outside of any of the other allegations. So yeah, I, I tend to believe that, that probably happened. I would believe um, that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I was going to say, um, the, the interesting thing about Canada is like, if you're underage, like they never release your information. And like, if you're exonerated, like they're good about like, oh, change your name or whatever. So that is an interesting thing about Canada that I've found in my own investigations. But huh. yeah, I will, I, I will say I, I could believe the first little girl story about Travis or like yeah. her experience, but the rest of them. Well, because that was outside of all of this. That was like a couple of years before. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it had nothing to do with anything else. It definitely didn't have to do with witches and Satanism. No. Um, you know, so that one, I, I tend to believe, but when that one, she reported on her own, it was not, she was being interviewed with leading questions, you know? So to me, that seems real. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then in um, 1992, um, 
Ken Lanning, the FBI agent, wrote a report on ritual crime, and he concluded that the rampant rumors around Satanism are unfounded. And then Philip Stevens Jr., who is an associate professor of anthropology at um, at the State University of New York in Buffalo, um, he said that the widespread allegations of crimes by Satanists, quote, constitute the greatest hoax ever perpetrated upon the American people in the 20th century, end quote. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, it just, it's one of those things that it just kind of like people ran with it, even though there was no evidence. And, you know, I, I use these two um, daycare cases because they were so clearly like impossible, you know, you can't push babies down the toilets. There are not witches flying around and grave robbing. Like there was no evidence for any of these things, you know, um, mm -hmm. or things were not possible, but you know, because people were so afraid of Satanism, you know, because of things in the media, because of movies, because of serial killers, like there was just so much fear that people would believe things that are really unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just, I wouldn't say it's like a poetic thing, but it makes me think about like other sort of things that have happened historically, you know, like there's always kind of a witch hunt. And of course, in this case, they chose yeah. like satanic panic. And um, you've t definitely, me and you have talked about the witch hunt thing. It's not, you yeah. know, a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think anytime I, like people, there was a really great quote by somebody, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, people who like claim to be Satanists probably aren't Satanists because like they don't yeah. actually know what Satanism is. <laughs> like yeah. Ramirez was not a Satanist. He did not actually know what Satanism meant or was. And like, you know, it's interesting. But it was scary when he said it in court and it freaked people out. So 100%. Yeah. He freaked people out. He said some really messed up things he did so many horrible horrible things so it's you know whatever but it's it it's people like him who take it to the extreme that give you know satanism a bad name it's not the actual like church of satan or whatever they call yeah. it so it's so interesting <laughs> but it's just crazy that you know so many like smart intelligent mature people mm -hmm. drank the kool-aid and believed all this stuff and i mean you know, again, Geraldo Rivera is saying there's like hundreds of thousands of Satanists and they're in your backyard. You know, I mean, him being somebody who people like looked up to for real information that did not help, you no, know, that definitely made things worse, Geraldo. <laughs> yeah. So and he has apologized. I mean, but it wasn't just him. There was 2020. There was Oprah news. No. I mean, just regular news reports. I mean, people were just freaked the fuck out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, and, well, that makes sense. Like, again, with like the name or like the reputation Satanism has, it makes sense people were freaking out. Yeah. Um, so, but the interviewing, you know, the kids like saying, well, we know that you saw this happen because other people said you did. And, you know, like really, you know, the whole, well, you know, you're not as smart or as cooperative as your friends were, you know, I mean, just saying these, and that, that was a quote, like, you're not as cooperative or as smart as your friend. You know, I'm like, first of all, who says that to a kid? But of course, the kid is going to go along with what you want them to say if you're 
telling them they're not being smart or cooperative or that they will get candy if they agree with you. Like, of course, they're going to go along with it, especially after being interviewed for a long period of time, you know, being told that they're, you know, bad if they're not answering the way you want them to and they're good and they get praised if you if they answer the way you want them to. Um, you know, kids, I mean, I think anybody could be susceptible to that kind of influence, but kids particularly. Well, especially kids. I mean, I think, you know, in my line of work, like anytime we have to investigate a kiddo that has gone through trauma, they go to these like specially trained people that have like really intense training about how to talk to these youth about their trauma and what's going on because they don't want there to be some something said or some leading yeah. question that leads to something not great happening. Yeah. And but now so- that's that's the funny thing though is because people are so freaked out about Satanism, they did have trainings saying these are the things you need to look out for. You need to ask about these ritualistic kind of things that might happen. And so a lot of people went to trainings <laughs> that told them to ask about these things but that's because not people are so out about Satanism. Yeah. Like it's, no, it's more like, Oh, like what did you do when you went to that person's house? And then like yeah. let them talk and then open-ended questions. Yeah. Very open-ended, like any yeah. sort of, Oh, what rituals did you do? Like that's, it's a kid. Kids have very active imagination. Yeah. Like, Oh, Oh. I hate it. And like yeah. all these people whose careers were really obviously very affected by it. And I mean, again, we absolutely believe survivors of trauma and things. And we're not saying that like it wasn't possible in some of these cases, but there's obviously the, the way the investigation went was not at all correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I am a big believer in you believe kids, you know, yeah. Um, but not when you're asking them leading questions and giving them the information that you want them to say. Yeah. Um, oh, and then the other thing I was going to say about Pazder, you know, the, the psychiatrist who wrote Michelle remembers with her, um, you know, I mean, he ended up marrying her and stuff, which is, you know, wrong. Um, okay. You know, but you know, in my mind, he just wanted to be an expert and wanted to be world renowned. And so, you know, in my mind, you know, I, I don't know if he knew that he was influencing her memories or if he actually believed that those were her memories, you know. Um, but he like ran with it in a way that makes me believe that, mm-hmm. you know, he just wanted to be in the limelight and wanted to be seen as the expert and whatever, you know, yeah. but him going on these speaking tours really is what kicked it all off. And then, you know, you add the heavy metal music, which of course is not Satanist. And you, you know, if you play it backwards, it doesn't really do anything bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you add the heavy metal music, you add the exorcist and Rosemary's baby, you add, you know, serial killers that had happened recently, you know, and people were just freaked out. So, um, but it, it, you know, this just so clearly demonstrates that like, I mean, people can be duped by all kinds of stuff. So we have to be careful about what we take in. We have to be careful about how we influence each other, you know, but yeah, it's just crazy that it ended up being such a huge thing, you know, and again, there were other cases, you know, there was a case of um, three teens that killed another teen, dropped him down a well, and they said it was because they were Satanists, you know, and of course, not true but you know they just drank the kool-aid and wanted to be a part of it 
you yeah. know, but there were other cases across America, particularly, but, um, but, you know, these two daycare cases, it was just so exaggerated and, and so clearly not true, but people yeah. drank the Kool-Aid and really believed it. So it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, again, it just, it's so crazy. It like almost reminds me of like the whole like cold war thing and the idea that like, if you were, you know, believing certain things you were a communist or you know whatever and like the idea of everything that could be wrong and we're getting very much into political things and I'm not trying to but it's like that similar thing of like you know you're drinking that kool-aid and then you're doing things in the name of things that aren't actually what you're doing it's like do your research before you claim something I don't know (laughs) but um well and then there was um I found some um you know audio interviews with some of the kids you know because that's the other thing you know they put the kids through all of this stuff right um and then there was no therapy for them afterwards there was no like trying to deprogram them once it was proven that none of this was true um you know so I listened to some interviews with like a couple of the kids that went through it Mm -hmm. you know and one um just described how it ruined her relationship with her dad because her dad was somebody who was accused Oh my um, and you know, so like during that time, she says she remembers like her dad, like would not hug her. And this isn't John Popovich. This is somebody else, but mm-hmm. you know, her dad wouldn't hug her and he wouldn't like let her, you know, then they would always cuddle on the couch and he'd be like, no, we can't sit that close. And, mm-hmm. um, and that even after, you know, um, his case was, uh, you know, um, done away with and, you know, case closed and everything. And clearly he hadn't done anything. He never trusted again to be able to get close to his daughter. And so his daughter's like, that's something that they stole from me because these people lied about him and he had to change to like protect our family. Um, And he was so afraid that he was going to be accused of something bad, you know, so it totally shifted the closeness that they had in their relationship. And Mm -hmm. she was saying that's something that she really grieves. And then there was another woman um, who is part of this case. And, um, she said it was like years later that it started occurring to her. Like she started having memories of like, like good memories at daycare and fun things and things that she liked about the daycare providers and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she started going, I wonder like if these other memories that I have are not accurate. Um, and so she started like doing work on that. And then she, at some point went to her parents separately. Mm -hmm. Um, and when she went to her dad, her dad said something like, yeah, I kind of wondered if that any of that really happened, you know? And so he was like, yeah, it probably didn't. Um, and then her mom was like, no, we're not going there. We're not going to bring it up. And she was like, well, I'm already there. Like this stuff's coming up for me. And, right. you know, I don't think any of that happened. Um, but, you know, the, I mean, I can't imagine that parents who, you know, felt like they were doing the right thing for their kid, but then maybe are realizing, no, we just hurt our kid. We put in all these memories that are not true. And now our kid, you know, this woman was saying she deals with like, she's can't do relationships. She can't trust people. She can't have sex. Like she can't get close to people. Um, you know, and a lot of it's because she's been told her whole life that she has these traumas that she didn't really have. Right. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the impact of these things was, huge for these kids and again they had no therapy no support Mm -hmm. no one was talking about it no one was saying hey you know we might want to rethink this or whatever they just 
you know, let it go as if nothing had happened, but the kids are dealing with the trauma of believing that these things happen. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, right? I mean, I think you even, like, we've talked about it before, I'm sure, but like memory and how memory is just odd and how sometimes you, like, me and you could have the same experience and I can remember like it really positively and you could have a really negative memory, even though it was the exact same thing. And I mean, thinking about it with these kids who were already at very like vulnerable states just because of their age and their brain still developing and all of that. And then looking back all these years later and just really not having a sense of what was real and what wasn't, I'm sure is just like the biggest mind fuck (laughs) you can imagine. Yeah. So anyways, it's very sad, but it's a good reminder that, you know, we can believe all kinds of stuff that's not true and run with it and cause major harm. Um, So we've got to be careful. We've got to ask questions. We've got to, you know, not just uh, drink the Kool-Aid and run off with things that we don't know are true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause I just, I really feel for these kids, but anyways, that's a brief summary on satanic panic. There was like many other stories, but I wanted to cover the two big daycare ones and then throw in some of the other info. But there were many other stories that were associated with satanic panic. Yeah. You know, none of it was connected. I mean, that, like I said, it's just, it's so sad, honestly, that it went yeah. that way. So thank you for covering that and bringing light to that because I feel like everyone kind of hears about satanic panic nowadays but no one really talks about what that was so yeah yeah sharing those stories um yeah okay well I guess we should do the house and then I guess the next time that we uh post a new episode it will be officially spooky season because it will be October what what Yes, we have a flight coming out. We've been working on it. I'm very excited about our little flight that's coming out. And then we're going to kind of do spooky season themed episodes um, for the entire month of October, just because obviously it's a wonderful time. Um, And we're also maybe thinking about on Patreon posting history of certain like traditions and things, maybe even surrounding Halloween and you know, Samhain and like looking at um, Dia de los Muertos, that type of thing. So um, if you want to subscribe to Patreon, feel free to go check that out. Um, and again, follow us on Instagram at what the L pod or, um, you know, you could always email us with topic ideas or spooky stories. We still really want to do a listener story with spooky stories from you guys. So yeah. keep sending those in. Um, and then of course, you know, anything any of the above we just love to reach out we have some lovely stickers I um am taking over some of the art stuff so I've been workshopping fun sticker ideas um on my own that I have to share with mama but um, we're working on that and um yeah I think aside from that um I appreciate you mom (laughs) I appreciate you baby I appreciate all of you Awesome. Well, thanks so much, friends. Happy spooky season. Yay. See you soon.